Section 28, Volume 2, of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, translated by Richard Burton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Filippo Joaquin. The Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 2, Section 28. When it was the seventy-seventh night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when Sharkan's chamberlain heard of the death of King Omar bin al-Nu'uman, he mourned, but he rejoiced because of his wife and her brother Zaw al-Makan, who would become Sultan of Baghdad in his father's stead. So he turned to the Wazir Dandan and said to him, Verily, your tale is a wonder of wonders. Know, O chief wazir, that here, where you have encountered me, Allah hath given you rest from fatigue, and bringeth you your desire after the easiest of fashions. For that his almighty will restoreth to you Zawa Makan, and his sister Nusat al-Zaman, whereby we will settle the matter as we easily can. When the minister heard these words, he rejoiced, with great joy, and said, O Chamberlain, tell me the tale of the twain, and what befell them, and the cause of their long absence. So he repeated to him the whole story, and told him that Nuzat al-Zaman was his wife, and related to him the adventures of Zaw al-Makan, from first to last. As soon as he had ended his tale, the wazir sent for the emirs and wazirs, and chief officers, and acquainted them with the matter. Whereat they rejoiced with great joy, and wondered at the happy chance. Then they gathered in a body, and went in to the chamberlain, and did their service to him, kissing the ground between his hands. And the wazir Dandan also rose, and went out to meet him, and stood before him in honor. After this, the chamberlain held on that day a divan council, and he and the wazir sat upon a throne, whilst all the emirs and grandees and officers of state took their places before them, according to their several ranks. Then they melted sugar in rose water and drank, after which the emirs sat down and held council and permitted the rest of the host to mount and ride forward leisurely, till they should make an end of their debate and overtake them. So the officers kissed the ground between their hands, and mounting, rode onwards, preceded by the standards of war. When the grandees had finished their conference, they took horse and rejoined the host, and the chamberlain approached the wazir Dandan and said, I deem it well to ride on before you and precede you, that I may get ready a place for the Sultan and notify him of your coming and of your choosing him as Sultan over the head of his brother Sharkan. A right thou reckest, answered the wazir. Then the chamberlain rose up in haste, and Dandan also stood up to do him honor and brought him presents. 
which he conjured him to accept. In similar guise did all the emirs and grandees and officers of state, bringing him gifts and calling down blessings on him, and saying to him, Haply thou wilt mention our case to Sultan Zawal Makan, and speak to him to continue us in our dignities. The chamberlain promised all they required, and bade his pages be ready to march, whereupon the wazir Dandan sent with him tents, and bade the tent pitchers set them up at a day's journey from the city. And they did his bidding. Then the chamberlain mounted and rode forward, full of joy, and said to himself, How blessed is this gurney! And indeed his wife was exalted in his eyes, she and her brother Zawal Makan. They made all haste over their wayfare, till they reached a place distant a day's journey from Baghdad, where the chamberlain called a halt for rest, and bade his men alight, and make ready a sitting place for the Sultan Zawal Makan, son of King Omar bin al-Nu'uman, while he rode forward with his mamelukes, and alighting at a distance from Nuzat al-Zaman's litter, commanding the eunuchs to ask leave of admission to the presence. They did so, and she gave permission, whereupon he went in to her and conversed with her and her brother, and told them of the death of their father, and of Zawa Makan, how the heads of the people had made him king over them in the stead of his sire, and he gave them joy of the kingdom. They both wept for their father, and asked the manner of his being killed. But the chamberlain answered, The news rests with Wazir Dandan, who will be here tomorrow, leading all the host, and it only remaineth for thee, O king, to do what they counsel, since they have unanimously chosen thee, Sultan. For if thou do not this, they will choose someone else, and thou canst not be sure of thy life with another sultan. Haply he will kill thee, or discord may befall between you twain, and the kingdom pass out of the hands of both. Zawamakan bowed his head a while, and then said, I accept the position. For indeed there was no refusing, and he was certified that the chamberlain had counseled him well and wisely, and set him on the right way. Then he added, O oh, my uncle, how shall I do with my brother Sharkan? O oh, my son, replied the chamberlain, thy brother will be sultan of Damascus, and thou sultan of Baghdad. So take heart of grace, and get ready thy case. Zawa Makan accepted this, and the chamberlain presented him with a suit of royal raiment and a dagger of state, which the wazir Dandan had brought with him. Then, leaving him, he bade the tent pitchers choose a spot of rising ground and set up thereon a spacious pavilion, wherein the sultan might sit to receive the emirs and grandees. Moreover, he ordered the kitcheners to cook rich viands and serve them, 
and he commanded the water carriers to dispose the water troughs. They did as he bade them, and presently arose a cloud of dust from the ground, and spread till it walled the horizon around. After a while the dust dispersed, and there appeared under it the army of Baghdad and Khorasan, a conquering host like the pool-tide sea. And Charazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased to say her permitted say. When it was the seventy-eighth night, she said, It hath reached me, O auspicious king, that when the chamberlain bade the tent pitchers set up a pavilion spacious enough to receive the subjects talking to their sultan, they planted a splendid shamiana, befitting kings. And as they ended their labor, behold, a dust cloud spired aloft, and the breeze made it lift, and beneath it showed a conquering host. And presently it appeared that this was the army of Baghdad and Khorasan, preceded by the wazir Dandan. And in it all rejoiced at the accession of the light of the place. Now Zawamakan had donned robes of royal state and girt himself with a sword of state. So the chamberlain brought him a steed and he mounted, surrounded by Mamelukes and all the company from the tents on foot, to do him service. And he rode on until he came to the great pavilion, where he sat down and he laid the royal dagger across his thighs whilst the chamberlain stood in attendance on him, and his armed slaves stationed themselves under the entrance awning of the Shamiana, with drawn swords in their hands. Presently up came the troops and the host, and craved admission, so the chamberlain went in to Zawa Makan, and asked his leave, whereupon he bade admit them, ten by ten, the chamberlain acquainted them with the king's commands, to which they replied, We hear and we obey. And all drew up before the pavilion entrance. Then he took ten of them and carried them through the vestibule into the presence of Sultan Zaw al-Makan, whom, when they saw, they were awed. But he received them with most gracious kindness and promised them all good. So they gave him joy of his safe return, and invoked Allah's blessings upon him, after which they took the oath of fealty, never to gainsay him in aught, and they kissed ground before him, and withdrew. Then other ten entered, and he entreated them as he had entreated the others and they ceased not to enter, ten by ten, till none was left but the wazir Dandan. Lastly, the minister went in and kissed the ground before Zaw al-Makan, who rose to meet him, saying, Welcome, O wazir, and sire's son's peer. Verily, thine acts are those of a counselor right dear and judgment and foreseeing clear are in the hands of the subtle of Lear. 
then bade him the chamberlain forthwith go out and cause the tables to be spread and order all the troops thereto so they came and ate and drank moreover the sultan commanded his wazir dandan call a ten days halt of the army that he might be private with him and learn from him how and wherefore his father had been slain the wazir obeyed the commands of the sultan with a submission and wished him eternity of glory and said this needs must be he then repaired to the heart of the encampment and ordered the host to halt ten days they did as he bade them and moreover he gave them leave to divert themselves and ordered that none of the lords in waiting should attend upon the king for service during the space of three days then the wazir went to the sultan and reported all to him and zawamakan waited until nightfall when he went in to his sister nusat al-zaman and asked her dost thou know the cause of my father's murder or not i have no knowledge of the cause she answered and drew a silken curtain before herself whilst zawamakan seated himself without the curtain and commanded the wazir to the presence and when he came said to him i desire thou relate to me in detail the cause of the killing of my sire king of mar bin al numan know then o king replied dandan that king omar bin al numan when he returned from baghdad from his chasing and hunting and entered the city inquired for thee and thy sister but could not find you and knew that you twain had gone on the pilgrimage whereat he was greatly grieved and much angered and his breast was straitened and he abode thus half a year seeking news of you from all who came and went but none could give him any tidings now while we were in attendance upon him one day after a whole year had sped since ye were lost to his sight lo there came to us an ancient dame with signs of being a devotee accompanied by five damsels high-bosomed virgins like moons endowed with such beauty and loveliness as tongue faileth to describe and to crown their perfections and comeliness they could read the koran and were versed in various kinds of learning and in the histories of bygone peoples then that old woman sought audience of the king and he bade admit her whereupon she entered the presence and kissed the ground between his hands i was then sitting by his side and he seeing in her the sign of asceticism and devoutness made her draw near and take seat hard by him and when she had sat down she addressed him and said know o king that with me are five damsels 
whose like no king among the kings possesseth. For they are endowed with wit and beauty and loveliness and perfection. They read the Koran and the traditions and are skilled in all manner of learning and in the history of bygone races. They stand here between thy hands to do thee service, O king of the age. And it is by trial that folk are prized or despised. Thy father, who hath found mercy, looked at the damsels, and their favor pleased him. So he said to them, Let each and every of you make me hear something of what she knoweth, anent the history of the folk of yore, and of peoples long gone before. And Charazad perceived the dawn of day, and ceased saying her permitted say. End of section 28 of the Book of a Thousand Nights and a Night, Volume 2 Recording by Filippo Joachim